0: The name of the pod was our last, best hope for peace. It was the dawn of the Third Age of Mankind, the year the Great War came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Babylon podcasts. The year is 2259. The name of the pod is Babylon 5. Episode 32, The Coming of Shadows, in which Jakar and Londo both see great opportunity in Centauri Emperor's visit to the station and the last best hope for peace is destroyed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to The Name of the Pod, your Babylon 5 podcast, where we talk about the enduring cultural legacy of uh, the 1990s science fiction show, Babylon 5, where it's uh, led uh, modern genre television and what kinds of lessons that we can uh, look back 20 odd years and and take from it. I am one of your hosts, Chris Tatro, and with me as always is my co-host,
1: John Cassie. Chris, how's it going?
0: It's going well. It's Chris, going very
1: well. Chris, is it me or no. is Earth Dome very crowded this evening?
0: Oh, it's bustling. It's 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 a, a flurry with activity. And I, in fact, over there, I think I see our our good friend, Brian Reese. New Brian? Pre- Hello, Brian. Reese. Yes,
2: new president of the, uh, I, I took over after Santiago
0: was unexpectedly killed. No, I'm just kidding. How'd that ah, happen? <laughs> I, I pledge my un, undying support to uh, El Presidente. Excellent. I have some jobs as, as always. Good, good. Well, well, welcome. We're glad to have you here. Very glad to
2: have you. And I'm glad to be here. I mean, you guys, I think were the ones who introduced me to Babylon Five a hundred and fifty years ago. That's right. Yeah
1: in yeah. the uh, in in the in the early ages of television when it was on BBC mm-hmm. uh, BBC One. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was radio only back then. Radio play. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, Brian. Uh, now you uh, you were part of our circle. You know, we were all of, of a circle in back in uh, Ohio in the '90s sure. when this was on. Um yep. And uh, just for for the the you know six or eight listeners that we have out there who who don't know us all already, um, when you know you so you you watched the show at that time. Had you watched it at all? Had you ever caught reruns or gone back and seen it? In the in the, the 25 years since? I have. I've tried to go back a couple of times
2: and started with season one because I wanted it to be complete and then usually petered out after about three episodes and then just started jumping around at the episodes that I remembered loving. So, mm-hmm. couldn't really make it through the whole mm-hmm. thing until you
0: guys started your podcast. Well, that's yeah. the goal. Glad yeah, that's, we can be enablers that way.
1: Yeah. You know, even if... Even if we're not, even if we're not digging everything about an episode, the the hope is that that each one provides something, you know, worth talking about. At least that's been our experience. You know, we're almost thirty. Mm-hmm. I think this is episode thirty, isn't it?
0: Uh, no, this is no. We're a couple. We're a little further in than thirty. We're a little uh, further
1: in uh, than thirty. So we're okay. we're we've done more than thirty episodes, and even even the most uh, draggy episodes have have offered us something. And this episode is the exact opposite of draggy.
2: It is one of the best episodes
1: right. of the entire show. And perhaps right. now, now, one of the most important. Yeah, I mean, in, yeah, I, I completely agree, Brian, that in, you know, it is one of the most important. I suspect when we get to the end, when we're sort of looking at, you know, what are the four or five pivotal or seminal episodes of this program? There is so much change. And there is so much development of character and just sort of moving the plot along. In this, uh, you know, this episode uh, won the nineteen ninety six Hugo Award for dramatic presentation. It beat things like the movie Apollo thirteen, right. the movie Twelve Monkeys. You know, it yeah. beat the uh, the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode, uh, The Visitor, which I think Visitor. is one of the finest
0: yeah. pieces
1: of television that DS Nine ever did.
0: Um, so and Twelve Monkeys is one of my favorite movies ever, and and you know, I I. I have to say that yeah, this was this is like concentrated goodness in a forty-two minute chunk, yeah. right here, and it's it's yeah. um, you know yeah this is this is deserved you know and and it it built a year and a half of kind of uh, of fan support behind it you know to get to that point.
2: Yeah, I, I think so, that I think what I think happened with the Hugo too is that they they really paid attention because they didn't win the previous year, even though I think Straczynski thought they might should have. But he said that they had too many episodes that were nominated. So this, Mm -hmm. for this Hugo, they just concentrated everything on like one episode, and they pushed it Mm. out to everyone. Like this is the one. Everyone nominate this, vote for this. So I think it had a big impact. Mm -hmm.
0: Smart.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think looking at the arc of the rest of the season and what we've already seen, because we're about halfway through season two, um, this is, uh, you know, this is going to be. Probably on Christian, you know, on our yeah. top three lists, I, sh- I should think, our top five lists, you I, know, at the I, end of the yeah. season, I would, I would be very surprised if it wasn't at the
0: top. I think we've still got some other good ones coming, but this is, totally. this is you know, if they, if we, we've talked before, and we were talking just before the show about if they made, you know, Babylon 5, remade it today as one of these prestige 10 episode season things, or even if they boiled it down to like a three movie Peter Jackson-esque you know, uh, you know nine-hour-long block for the entire series. I think a, a significant chunk of this episode has to stay, even when you boil it down that far. The in- it's the, the it's in- that important to the, the entire larger arc. I mean, the entire
2: episode has right. to stay. Like, it, there, there yeah. is no you there's no C-plot or D-plot that you don't really, you know, need. This is pure plot. Right. I mean, it is what Straczynski does best. It's, it's meta-plot yeah. from beginning to end it's fantastic right
1: yeah yeah this is exactly mm-hmm. what a prestige format episode would feel like mm-hmm. it's all the good mm-hmm. stuff yeah it's yeah. all the good stuff
0: and it doesn't sacrifice character for right. hitting for hitting the plot like a lot of other you know we've we've gone back a number of times and said oh this episode you know it, it had it either has the, the 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 guest characters are doing all the heavy lifting here or, you know, there's, there's too much plot and they're not addressing the, 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 the characters in it enough. But, you know, this one really hits, it hits everything. We get, we get a lot of, uh, you know, we get a lot of movement in the Jakar character arc. Um, the Jakar you know. arc
1: in this episode might be one of the most extraordinary pieces of writing that has been done in this program. Since we've started it, and certainly one of the most intriguing uh, in all of sci-fi television. Just, just these 40 minutes of Jakar. It, it is like think a, about where he starts and where he ends.
2: And, and Mother of God. In between, it's like a roller coaster. I mean, he is up and down. He is fatalistic, and then he is optimistic. I mean, it's crazy. But I really, I mentioned this before we started, but I really want to talk about how badly Sheridan and Dr. Franklin treat the man. I mean, yeah, go. Yeah. You're like, in the beginning, when Jakar comes and is complaining about the uh, Centauri Emperor coming to the station, uh, Sheridan basically just dismisses him and says, you know, you've had 100 years of blood and sacrifice um, with the Centauri, but, you know, that's not really my problem. And then he appeals to <laughs> Jakar to, like, let it go because it's going to be good for the station and good for him personally back at Earth if people see the Centauri right. Emperor coming. And then and then he kind of smirks when Jakar says you're not gonna do anything. And he's like, What did I suddenly turn invisible or something? It's like a throwaway terrible line. And I don't know if they meant for Sheridan to sound very undiplomatic or if right. you
0: know if it was I don't I don't know what they were trying to develop there with Sheridan, but Yeah, and even you know, later on when he when he stops Jakar from hunting down Malari and killing him like the dog that he is. He's, he's, he's not diplomatic about it. He's forceful. He's commanding. And, you know, that I think so far what we've seen, that's Sheridan. He doesn't have the diplomatic side to him that Sinclair might've. He's, you know, he's a military guy. He, that's, that's, that's how he, how he works. And it, it, you know, it doesn't seem like it's what's called for. Maybe this is part of Sheridan's growth arc as well or maybe it's just you know tone deaf writing you know for what the situation called for I don't know I mean Sheridan almost just looks down on him in pity when he's
2: on the floor like so overwrought because of what happened Um, and Sheridan's just like nah leave him be you know like and he's just looking down at him like "Eh."
0: you could act like a man
1: yeah (laughs) right right and um, you know, Brian, you, you 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 mentioned in the pre-show as well. Not not only is Sheridan's response throughout the show to Shakar um, at kind of an off note. You know, if, if, every time we get a we get a chance to see them interacting, it's like eh, eh. Uh Doctor Franklin's relaying of the emperor's uh, kind of. Um, once in a century, message of peace. Doctor Franklin, uh, kind of refracts through this kind of smarmy. They're so much. They're so much more interested in justice than you, Jakar. Yeah. Right. <laughs> See, the Centauri aren't nearly as bad as you. It's like Stephen Franklin. Do not take sides. Right. Relay your message and stop being so smarmy. I mean, it is hard, though. When you're faced with
2: Jakar and the Centauri Emperor, played by Turhan Bey, to not just kind of love Turhan Bey. I mean, he is amazing yeah. in, this, in this episode. <laughs> That's true. I mean, this, is, this guy mm-hmm. was, I, I, I think he could be the best actor I've seen on the show since the beginning of the show.
1: You know, we've gone Mm -hmm. back and forth in a lot of episodes about the quality of guest stars Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, that often they miss. But when they don't, these guest stars totally elevate the program. Right. You David Warner, uh, you you know, the uh, the actress who played Death Walker um, um, and Tarhan Bey. Extraordinary. Right. Mm -hmm. And you think about the analogs. What are the what are the analog experiences in our history that kind of match this? Is this going to be you know Anwar Sadat flying to Jerusalem? Is this kind of what we're you know is this kind of what we're talking about? Um, hmm. You know uh, you know you think about bitter bitter enemies who are trying to reconcile, making some kind of an effort. Um, I mean we're not it's nineteen ninety five in this episode, Irish Republicanism is not a, is not dead.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. You know, when, when the queen, the queen of the United Kingdom made her her first official visit to the Republic of Ireland in something like 2015. Right. And when that happened, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was viewed, you know, in the Republic as something that some people thought, no, no, don't let her in here, right? Mm. She, she, and her, and her thousand-year line of uh, of predecessors are responsible for a genocide. We don't want to visit mm. from her, right? Huh. And so, you know, you think about what what the symbolism of you know of, of the emperor's gesture means. That's extraordinary. Well, from, no, a, from, a, from a perspective of seeing it as sort of an analog to our own history.
2: But the great thing about how it's written into the show is that it is a distinctly personal and emotional gesture for the Emperor. Totally. For the Centauri Emperor. You know, it is totally. this grand gesture that he wants to do. But for him, it is almost, or it, he conveys it as almost like he's a for him. You know, it, it's something he's doing for himself
1: yeah yeah um
0: he's and, come to the point of realizing that it was a it was a failure in his life, you know and he's gotten to this point it's like you know why didn't I do something about this before so yeah he's got <laughs> exactly a, he, he feels that he he wants to you know he wants to he wants to go with a with a clean ledger he wants to be you know it's kind of like a deathbed confession, but in this case you know he he's 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 sincere um <clears throat> lot, yeah. and And how heartening
1: Jakar's, the opening of Jakar's heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? That's, in some respects, the most tragic part of this whole, Jakar's heart is as wide and as open as it's ever been to the notion of peace, while Mm. Londo knows what Londo has done. Mm. I mean, that was painful.
2: Yeah. It was rough. And it's it just it's great to highlight I mean, so many characters went through so much this episode. Because, you know, Turhan I mean the Centauri Emperor, you know, he went through a lot actually. Like they developed that character in just a, a few minutes of screen time. And right. then Jakar mm-hmm. has this amazing arc throughout the entire thing. And then I think right. Londo has his own arc. I think Same. he's coming to the conclusion. That the choices he makes in this episode, in the beginning, and when Veer tries to stop him and says, listen, you have to think about this, and then he almost like, it's almost like stepping over a precipice for him. You know, once he makes that decision to attack the Narn colony, the listening post, whatever, then it's done for him almost. And maybe that's why the dream he has is so much more extensive
1: than they've referenced in the past. Yeah, we sort of went back and forth in the pre-show about this dream, didn't we? Right, like like we knew yeah. that Shakar was involved, right? But no mm-hmm. reference to being emperor, no reference to uh, seeing shadow ships mm-hmm. or these other kind of symbols. Now that doesn't mean that they right. weren't there,
0: right? But but we we get it. But now we now, get it fully. Yeah. And I think I think I had read on the I think it was on the, the Lurker's Guide page for this episode that you know, Straczynski said that uh, that he had had dreams like that when he was young of these dark alien ships above him in a clear blue sky. And wow. that was that was the inspiration for this. And I have to imagine that was must be a terrifying thing to, to dream as a as a small child. Um and that 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 isn't the intent. Maybe it maybe it was. Maybe I'm misremembering. That'd be a first. Uh, but I thought it said on that page that that this was that this is the dream that Londo's has always had. Is that that you know it's it all of these pieces and it's now starting to make sense of what it all means to him.
2: And you know that having that dream, you just can't a, help him. Well, having that dream as a child, as J. Michael Straczynski. God, that's got to shape your whole life at this point, right? Like, how much? Like, if I had that dream when I was a child, I mean, think what what he's done over the years, right? I mean, right, that. Yeah. I don't know, but and then he had another dream about being at the bottom of a stairwell with gunshots happening up at the top of the stairwell and armed people running by. That's another dream that JMS has had. That's yeah, a child.
0: Yikes. That David yeah,
1: Lynch that's sort of is mining his uh, David Lynch is mining his imagination in that case. A- anytime yeah. you've got staircases,
0: yeah, yeah uh, creepy. Yeah, you
1: know, in in 1995, when we watched this for the first time, I mean, I, my my memory, you know, is wow, what a what a mind blowing way to tell this story, right? Yeah. To get this sort of dream in these segments, right? And, and it sort of functions like prophecy, right, which connects mm-hmm. us back to, the, to that soothsayer in last, mm-hmm. last season who we thought was maybe like, oh, the power is cool, but you're overacting it a little bit, right? You know, that, mm-hmm. um, that this kind of opens a way of thinking about the program or about storytelling yeah, you know, I don't know. Mm. maybe, I mean, what program was doing this kind of thing at this time? Maybe the X Files.
2: No, I mean, I, I, I mean, feel who's like, telling
1: stories like this. You know, I don't think anyone is.
2: I mean, the the one big link that I always feel with the X Files. I mean, the X Files had a meta plot, but it wasn't. It was more like a show nowadays with the. Uh, you know the villain of the season, or something like that. It seemed, mm-hmm. and right. it wasn't nearly as developed as in Babylon Five. I think the right, right. Yeah, no. yeah, in the, I think the big comparison, and I think they were. It was about the same year, and I know that it's is getting a little ahead of things. But when X Files changed their uh, final uh, opening scene, you know, with the opening credits yeah. where they the, the music's playing and everything, and instead of saying right. The truth is out there it said trust no one right and Babylon 5 <laughs> yeah, does, that, was does like, that as well
1: ah! <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah totally
2: Babylon 5 does that as well later on we
1: failed yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah right right
0: yeah, yeah that's, that's shocking tone yeah. from season to season yeah is is, um, is monumentous and and you know uh, yeah X-Files Chris Carter was making it up as he went along you know much like uh, much like with lost, yep. you know, where we were sold a bill of goods early on that, that we've thought all of this through and we have a coherent story. No, you know, that, yeah. that certainly proved not to be true, but you know, you can't, I don't think you can put together an episode that's, that's this tightly wound into a fight you know, w- without having really planned out the full five year. Yeah. He knows exactly where like he's
1: this. going. He knows exactly
0: yeah. where he's going. Yeah. Right. Um, and you got to know the end in order to do a, to do that kind of dream. Totally. You know to, to, to make it make sense.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a
0: tightness mm-hmm. that some of these programs that
1: uh, you know that w- yeah. that at least we've argued relate to Babylon mm-hmm. Five in some manner of you know storytelling or, or what have you. You know.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, I remember there's a there's a prophetic dream sequence in Game of Thrones, both in the novels and in the and the. the the sequence that they show in the series mm-hmm. was a little bit different, but um, you know, that has the advantage of the books being written a good 40 or 50 years before you know, the the, the, <laughs> the scenes are being shot.
1: And uh, 40 or 50 years after. Was,
0: yeah, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but I, you know, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it, I, I just, I can't, I, I can't stop being, you know, I can't stop the admiration for, for, putting in this this dream that around which so much of the series is going to is going to spin and it's right it's better than you
2: know like your typical uh, fantasy novel prophecy because mm-hmm. instead of kind of directing everything because in a fantasy novel that includes prophecy the prophecy is this driving almost living force often uh-huh. and in this it is yeah. Yeah. merely a way almost to increase the pathos that we've that that Lando brings to the table. You know? Like it's mm. not doing all this, it's not changing what how people are acting or changing what they're doing. It's really just making us feel more for Lando.
0: Yeah. He he knows this is all going to end terribly and he still can't help himself. Yeah. Right. Right you know, as as much as he has those, you know, he's got this this look of, of kind of anguish and regret. Regret, you know. As he does these things, he still does them. He still right. misreports the emperor's last words. He still, you know, orders the attack, and and he he looks pained by it. But but, dude, you're the one doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, and right. And he, he can't he can't help himself. Right. He he even he even says right at the
1: beginning. You know, after Lord Rifa leaves the first time. You know, Veer, what do you what do you think about this? You don't you don't look all that you know. You don't look all that uh, all that well. No, I'm not well. It's mm-hmm. what this is crazy, right? Well, fear for once, you and I agree. And yet, even though he agrees, Londo knows. You know, he's not some 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 uh, 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 thoughtless, incapable of critical thought actor. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't mean Peter Jurassic here. I mean you know, sort of like a you know like an, an actor on the world stage. You know, an agent. Yeah, yeah an agent. Right. He knows exactly what he's doing. And, and I, is being blown down that river without any capacity, it seems, for self, self-reflection, self-control, or, or however you want to put it. Whatever I, Veer has, Londo doesn't have.
2: And I would argue that like in this episode, he has put himself on a path that he will slowly, yes. and started to, in this episode, realize he cannot escape from. And it's not because yes. of the prophecy of his dream, but it's because the choices he's made. Already. Yes. And I think mm. he's going to slowly realize that I'm, you know, I can't I can't escape this anymore. Like, I can't be good.
0: Yeah. I'm already on this path to be a villain. Yeah, because even if at the end of this episode he had he had said, you know, I can't do this. And he'd, you know, he sort of stepped back from all of this. You know, He's already ordered. Or was directly responsible for the deaths of of thousands and you know tens of thousands. You know, tens of thousands. I know there was there was this attack. There was the first mm-hmm. one. There, there were there were two previous shadow attacks that he ordered, weren't there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, how could he? How could he? Uh, explain those in a way that made him come off in a good light. He can't. Yep. He's just got to lean into it. And do yeah. you do you
2: realize also? and maybe I'm wrong about this, but it doesn't seem like he has that nationalistic fervor that Rifa brings to the table, you know, right. He doesn't seem Mm -hmm. to have, um, he doesn't seem to have a dog in the race there. Like he doesn't seem to want to feel that Centauri needs to rise again. He's just kind of Mm -hmm. going along because he wants to be more powerful and he wants to people to like him and he wants to, be respected
1: yeah Chris and I've gone back and forth throughout this throughout this podcast about about Londo's nationalism right how firmly he feels it how much it's about Centauriness and how much it's about londo right mm-hmm. and I mean Brian to your point I think right now we're seeing that as sort of uh, you know a, he's a londoist yeah. rather than a Cent- mm-hmm. rather than a Centauri you know uh, oh mm-hmm. you think I might be a good candidate to be Emperor Lord Rifa? Oh. Huh. Wow. Oh. Londoism, mm. right? Yeah. Oh, and you know, blah blah blah, I might be able to help uh, restore the dignity of the republic. Yep. Mm. As long as it's mm. first and foremost Londoist, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah. What 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 was the line that Rifa said and you know, any any price for immortality?
1: Right. Yeah,
0: losing your
2: soul is so a small just, price to pay or being damned yeah. is a small price to pay.
0: Yeah. 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 That's I mean that's that's what Londo's after. He wants to be you know, he may not want the responsibility of being the emperor and all of that comes with it that he sees in his dream, but he, he he definitely wants the 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 place in history.
1: I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. 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 And you know I I I
2: don't want to interrupt you because you're going to say something really good no. really smart John I'm I'm sure unlikely but <laughs> carry I, on but have you guys talked you, about you you haven't been listening have been to our listening show
0: to have you been listening to this brother.
2: podcast <laughs> you know what I I will say this I listen to it at 1.5 times speed like I listen to some podcasts and yep. it makes John speak at in like a normal cadence and it makes you really fast, Chris. I, I
0: sound like a chipmunk. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. But my question is. I have
1: some kind of uncanny valley thing about 1.5 speed.
0: Yeah. It's perfect. I,
1: I, I, can't, I can't. I just, I can't do it. It's, my brain won't, yeah. it can't process it.
0: Most, a lot of podcasts I listen to, they talk too slowly for me. So I have to put it on 1.5 so they sound right. I, I
2: completely agree.
0: Um, I think it speaks to the
2: podcast we listen to, but my real question, and this is important to probably all the listeners out there, all six of them, as you say, um, is, have we guys talked about why Veer doesn't have an accent? Is he from like backwoods Centauri?
1: (laughs) Oh God bless. We've never raised that. No, no. Uh, no, we haven't. Yeah. Um, It's like he's from Indiana.
0: Yeah. He's from the Ohio of Centauri prime.
1: That's right. Whenever yeah, the Ohio yeah. of Centauri Prime no. is, that's where Veer's from.
0: Uh, <laughs> I I I have two theories in that. One, Stephen First is just terrible at accents. Right. But I mean that shouldn't that's not stopping anybody else from from doing a Centauri accent. Um and two, it's kind of like the The British accent in star wars that that you know some characters put on or even Leia puts on when she's like being you know highfalutin and and like core worldish um, <laughs> and then everybody else just sort of just sort of drops into their flat American accent you because know, 'cause they're from the outer rim and it's you know with, uh, that's where people talk normal um you know maybe he's yeah you're right he's from he's from some sort of backwater and i don't i don't we don't have a lot on viewers past do no we? I don't
1: think we not yet ever. Do we do we get it later? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't. I don't think so. Hmm. But we certainly don't have it now, hmm. yeah. right? But yeah, I mean, Brian, to your point, if you if you look at the way that these things are normally, uh, the way that they're normally cast, right, we're meant to see Veer as sort of our our everyman identifier character because of the way he talks. Yep. Right. Hmm. I mean, the fact that he sounds, you know, we're being sort of flippant, that he sounds like he's from Ohio or from Indiana, but that's what he sounds like. Right and. You know, uh, William Forward. I don't know what his background is, um, and Peter Jurassic's accent is a con- is a constructed, you know, artifact. I mean, he said as much. Turhan Bey is a is Turkish via Austria. I mean, what kind of an exotic <laughs> accent is that going to be, <laughs> right. right? I mean, Turkish via Austria, yeah. really? Um, yeah. and, um, and
0: and so no, we've never given that up. any
1: thought, Brian. P- provocative. I found that very interesting.
0: And this is our opportunity to mention Malachi Throne,
1: right? Right.
0: You know the, um, who you know, not not used to his potential. Centauri Prime but, Minister. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. The uh, yeah. the immortal he doesn't
0: even get a name.
1: He doesn't even get a name, right? And when you come in as a guest star, named Malachi Throne, and you know, yeah. guys, we 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 looked at his <laughs> kind of IMDb record <laughs> and. Good grief, he's in everything that we watched. Yeah. Growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's the uh the, the, you know, the immortal you know, Commodore Mendez in in mm-hmm. the menagerie, you know, the, the yep. seminal episode of Star Trek the original series. Mm-hmm. Um and he's, he was he's on, in everything.
0: He was in the Adam West Batman show. He was on Electro-Roman yeah. and Dina Girl. <gasps> I mean, Ark 2, please, you know. Right. right. <laughs> Everything. I love Electra right. Woman and Dyna Girl. The,
1: all the great, yeah. Oh, I loved Electra Woman and Dyna Girl. Mm-hmm. Who didn't? Yeah. yeah, we have we have spoken about Jason of Star Command and Space Academy on this program. Mm-hmm. Right. Nothing I want to do again. Right. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. We've, we've, we've spoken of it.
0: Now let's move on. That's
1: Please. right. That's right. Uh, so wait, one final. Yeah, it, it's too bad that Malachi Throne was used in such a kind of. Small way, he could yeah. easily have cast him as the emperor, and he would have just been, as, you know, he would have been compelling. Or.
0: Yeah. and Then he gets yeah. Caesared, and he's off the. Yeah. 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 A lot of
2: a lot of knifings mm. and almost knifings
0: in this episode of Babylon Five. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, I I, I raised a point in the in the pre-show, and and we didn't. Yeah. You know, and I'll I'll just I'll ask it now since mm-hmm. we're sort of in the asking questions of each other face. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. Jakar would never have stabbed him. Jakar is just not an assassin. What do you think?
2: I am completely unconvinced of that. I think... Uh Uh-huh,
1: okay. He's... I mean,
2: he went... Like, he is, at the very least, a man who will... Who kind of goes full force into whatever he's he's getting into, right? And he he really dives deep. I mean, he left a will, you know, he, he talked about how his purpose, like he was so happy with his purpose because there were only three possible outcomes to his life. And he had a path finally Mm -hmm. in his life. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, stabbing the emperor was that path. And I don't think that he was going
0: to, I mean, he's a man of conviction. That's true. That's true. Are you saying, John, you don't think he would have stabbed the emperor, or you don't think he would have, he would have killed Londo? Oh no, no, uh, he was going to kill the emperor. Right, but then later, when he's on his his rampage, oh. and he's like hulking through the hallways, and you
1: know, yeah, I, for some somehow the idea of him killing Londo feels like it's on, it's on the right side of honor, but killing the emperor yeah. not. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to advance an argument here. It's just, I'm watching him prep and I'm like, there's no way he wouldn't do that. That's what I felt. But Brian, you're shaking your head.
2: I'm totally shaking my head. And that's because I disagree with you on both points. I think he would have stabbed the emperor. <laughs> no problem. I think he would have, Okay. you know, he would have thought about it, but I think he did think about it. I think that he had thought yeah, about yeah. it already. He had already processed it and he wouldn't have made the decision to do it if he wasn't going to go through with it. But I think- okay. I don't think he would have killed Londo. I think he would have beat the oh. crap out of Londo, beat him bloody and blue, oh. and then been the better man and left him uh-huh. to recover.
1: Yeah. I find both points persuasive, even though mm. you, know, my, my, uh, you know, I started from a question that was basically the exact opposite. I find your argument <laughs> persuasive. I win. But I mean, this is part of what makes Shakar <laughs> such a rich character.
0: Yeah, that's, right. that's why we had to have you on, Brian. I can never convince him of anything. You're never right, Chris. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> um, there's one thing that I'm right about. And, and, you know, earlier on we said there isn't anything from this episode that could be trimmed out. There's, there's, there's no fat to trim. Okay. What are you trimming? I, I know it's important later on in the series. But I'd cut the ranger guy out. I don't think you have to cut him out.
2: I think that if you had just let uh, Garibaldi <laughs> confront him and have him come clean mm-hmm. at that point instead of, like, arresting him right. and having him in the cell and all that stuff, then you could have gotten it over with right away.
0: Yeah. And, you know. That, w- that definitely seemed like it was, you know, dilly-dallying for the sake of plot, you know, to, to, to get to a t- particular point, yeah.
1: And we, we do sort of but, shilly-shally around a bit sometimes on this program. Yeah. got to fill yeah. some time.
2: Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I hate to say this, and I'm sure you, I mean, Sinclair mm-hmm. is not at his best when he is not interacting with another human being. Sheridan? No, Sinclair. Like, Sinclair. Sinclair. When we get the recordings the, of Sinclair on the, video. on the video. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah 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 well i mean in his defense that was also like michael at is probably at his nadir um you know health wise you know so he was like probably filming that you know as he was on his way onto a plane or something you know i gotta get out of here um but yeah I i was hoping that the message would open up you know hello michael old friend you really need to shave that dome. It's the, That haircut, is the, the hair is not doing you any favors up there. You know, I just, just please, someone talk sense into the. It's man.
2: like Bruce Willis after a bender in 1989.
0: That's right. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. It's yeah. like an inch and a half long, you right. know, and just, every time I see it, I'm like, just, just get me to, when he starts shaving his head. Right.
1: Jerry Doyle, let it go.
0: Yeah. We're done. But, but no, you're, you're, you know, you're right. If they, if they had, if tightened up the bit with the with the ranger uh they i just you know i just i don't like the rain the concept of the rain it it feels way too it feels way too too Tolkien which you know jms sort of says no that wasn't you know i'm not stealing from that and it's they don't they don't look medieval okay fine um but it's you know it it's bringing that kind of Uh, that kind of element in and it it just doesn't it doesn't click for me it it never clicked for me here maybe i'll maybe i'll be reconvinced on this on this watch through but
1: i I don't have any particular beef about rangers as a concept um i don't know that i would have introduced that piece of the story in this episode given how much is in this Mm -hmm. episode already yeah
0: Mm -hmm. right um And I'll say at the end when she, when when Garibaldi says, you know, I've got this source who's told me that that the the yeah. centauri government may be involved in some way. To be honest, I, like I had, I was watching the episode. I'd stopped and gotten up and got dinner and came back and saw that bit and I completely forgot about the ranger. <laughs> and I was like, oh, who's his source. And I wrote down like, who's his mysterious source. Is it veer? Is that would be really Grifa? interesting. Yeah. You know, like, like if veer, if veer, you know, went to Garibaldi or went to someone was like, you know, Hondo's up to some stuff here. Uh, I thought that would be, it would be great. But then I was like, Oh yeah, right. It was, it was that guy. Um, so, yeah. Um, I know my, it's my anti-ranger bias sort of coming through again it does
2: seem like a very uh george lucas uh prequel type thing to throw in Mm -hmm. almost as if you're trying to appeal to some other class of viewer you know having the rangers around yeah
1: Yeah. it's
2: fine they're harmless
1: yeah Mm -hmm. you know the idea that you've got humans and mimbari collaborating and that there is sort of oh look now there's even more ninth level esoteric bizarre Mimbari weirdness, mm-hmm. right? Well, of course mm-hmm. there is. There always is, right? The fact that we don't know about it because Sinclair won't tell us. Why? Why do you record a message that you go to all this drama <laughs> to get out to me, only to tell me there's so many things I can't tell you? Yeah. You know, here's
2: something I want to be crazy. But, you know, as I was re-listening to your podcast before I was on, I was. There's the episode where Sinclair's what ex-wife or girlfriend or whatever comes to visit, the captain's woman. Captain's, captain's woman. woman. Now, yeah. I, yeah. I I have Catherine? I have not rewatched that. Is she Asian? Okay. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And you know why? Because he's so otaku. Like it's like the Minbari, right? <laughs> it's true. like the Minbari. <laughs> it's
0: true. Like his
2: his fascination with the Minbari, right? Like it's just so right. otaku, right? And you get all these, like, otaku <laughs> fanboys going to become rangers, basically, right? They're all going to Minbar, yes. not because they were drawn by some sort of mystical force, but because, you know, <laughs> Minbar's so cool. Have you listened to right. their
0: music? Right. Yeah. They have their, they have their Delenn comfort pillow. <laughs> yeah. You <know>? Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> we're editing this part out, right? You know I don't what? No. No. Yeah. I'm never editing anything
1: out. I'm too lazy. Yeah. Mimbari, you know, pleasure salons on Earth and you know, all these sort yeah. of kitschy shops in uh yep. mm-hmm. you know, in the uh, yeah. you know. That's hysterical, Brian. I would never have made that <laughs> that I would never I know, put it have that, that, that way, connection. but once you've said it, it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah, dead on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dead on. I was listening to that right. podcast
2: episode and I'm like, oh man, I gotta bring this up even though it will have nothing to do with the episode.
0: <laughs> no, glad <laughs> glad you did.
1: Any chance to talk ah. about the captain's woman is something that we'd like to uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. we like
1: to avail ourselves of. Uh, okay, so here's a point that I that I would have brought up earlier, but we uh, we we you know we didn't quite get to it. You know, okay, mm-hmm. so look, this thing won the Hugo Award. Uh, Chris, you and I in a previous episode discussed how essential, at least in my judgment, Janet Greek is oh, to yes. interpreting J. Michael Straczynski. Yeah. I think of all of the direction work that she's done, uh, you know. She should have gotten a Directors Guild of America award for this episode. You know, I think the, one of the reasons why it wins this award is because of her direction, not just because of his. You know, because of his writing. Uh, I mean she she has a way of using light, shadow when she's when she's choosing her shots. Uh, there's a you know the pace of this thing is just like this. Uh, I mean, she's able to move a lot of very complex plot uh, through, you know, through that camera in a way that it's understandable. And, uh, and, and I suspect that, that things that she did in the moment sharpened things in the script that, that could have stood some sharpening. Brian, I I can't, I can never remember the line, but what was the, what was the the Centauri Emperor's line in the uh, observation dome? Yes, he said,
2: the, the past tempts us, the present confuses us, and the future frightens us.
1: Yeah, I thought that was, that was a dynamite line. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of showing, it to, at least to me, where JMS is going to be evolving as a writer, because that feels like the sort of thing that he would have written in, in Sense8, right? Mm-hmm. Short, tight, to the point, let the line speak not only its own message, but the meta message beneath it. Which then he has Turhan Be say. But you know, it, it, going forward as a writer he'll be more disciplined. Yeah. Uh, and you
0: know or someone else will Or someone else be will. Yeah, will be disciplined for him. Yeah, will be disciplined for him, right. You know, he's got the Wachowski's mm. you know, there's always I when looking at the credits of Sensei, it's always him and one of them, right. you know, maybe doing script doctoring yeah. to uh, tidy some things up. Because yeah. I don't, much like Londo, I, I, I don't know that JMS can control himself even when he sees, you know, a, a bad line in front of him. He's got to say it. <laughs> well, he, well,
1: I mean, you know, look. In, in fairness, he doesn't think it's a bad line. Right. I like, fair. I like my dialogue to be more economical than he does. And when mm-hmm. he does it economically, I like it better. I think he sounds better. I think he, I yeah. think he thinks he sounds just fine. You know what I just realized when you brought up that line is
2: that it's almost describing where Londo is at for a lot of this show.
1: Yeah. You mm-hmm. know,
2: the, pa- the yeah. past tempts us, the present confuses us, and the future frightens us, and that seems like where he's at. And actually, Londo, I mean, he's almost turning into the emperor even before he becomes emperor because the choices are mm-hmm. being taken away from him a- after he's made all these terrible choices to set off the process. Right. I don't know why I keep right. going back to that. I'm stuck on that one.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, it's a it's a critical point, isn't it? I mean, you know it's going to pay off down the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like, you know, one of these kind of linchpin moments where yeah. where lots of critical things hinge on that, and you're going to keep coming back to it because it's such an important hinge, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think that... that- is going to bring us to a, a wrap. But Bef- before we go, Brian, I want to give you a chance to plug uh, anything that you have. I know that you 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 have your own podcast where where you uh, uh, talk about a, a shady Mediterranean aristocrat with who's possibly made deals with dark powers. Um, if you wanted to, to to plug that yourself, oh God, I don't even know if I do. Um, okay, that's for fine. work. We no, We can, no, we can cut out. it. Oh, it's
2: fine for work. <laughs> I can I can cut this out if you don't. I do a podcast on MTV's siesta key reality show because i live basically right next to siesta key and so we talk about all these wealthy 20 somethings who uh you know basically fight and and have a lot of drama and it's a lot of fun the show's terrible but the podcast is pretty good
0: it, it is <laughs> Yeah, you know, i've listened i haven't listened to every episode i've listened to a lot of it um i never seen the never seen the show you know i don't even own a television um <laughs> so uh you know, but it's 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 definitely it's it's good to hear kind of the the analysis and the takes that that the three of you bring to the you know bring from the show um
2: i feel I like i'm a letterman
0: audience overlap between those two shows would be between our show and that show between Babylon Five and MTV's CS2K, Negative Negative Point Two Percent. Yeah, it's just it's just Brian. it's just, yeah, it's just, it's me.
2: just
1: Brian. It's just yeah. Brian by yeah. himself. He's yeah. the only one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Most of the people on that show weren't alive when Babylon Five was on television. No, I record a podcast
2: with somebody who was. Oh gosh, she was born. I think when Babylon Five got started. And now she works. So 1993. Yeah, now she works as a reporter at a newspaper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now she has a proper job.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And I could oh. and, and I could be I could be her elderly father. <laughs> right. Right, you know, it's you're not quite to the point where I could be her grandfather, right? I guess. When you work in a school oh. setting as I do, mm-hmm. you know, that this has sort of been like my sort of growing awareness like I could be your brother. Right I, now, it's sort of like in right. uncle territory. Now I'm I'm well past. I could be your father. Now it's like mm-hmm. I could be your father to my young colleagues, yes. and I, right.
2: I have to be more careful what I say on that podcast than I did on even this podcast because mm-hmm. most of the very attractive young women on the TV show are easily young enough to be my daughter, even if I didn't get yes. started mm-hmm. early. So mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't usually stop me, but.
1: Yeah. You know, Brian, we've had you on now on an episode that, you know, I would describe as a stem winder dynamite episode, right? Yep. Super. Uh we'll have to uh we'll have to have you on again next for an episode that's a bit more Sargasso Sea ish. <laughs> right. And uh well, and, and see what you can see what see what hash you can make of that because you've you've done We've got
0: Paul Williams coming up in three or four episodes, oh
1: don't
2: we? Oh my God. I am I am excited to talk about a terrible episode boy no i really am that is that is more in my wheelhouse <laughs> we, i'll tell you we, right now
0: we,
1: we'll we'll have we'll, you on in short order then
0: <laughs> we'll have you on for season five inclusive
1: <laughs> oh chris that's oh, okay that's why fine. we got a one-star
0: I, review chris that's that's why everyone thinks we're haters yes sorry canadian guy listen um, you can you can talk trash about something and still love it
2: right
0: absolutely yeah. Absolutely, right. I wouldn't dedicate what is this going to be three years of our lives, right? To to watching and talking about this show if I absolutely hated it. That's
2: why it. I talk trash if, about you it, guys, unless
0: I were getting. You know exactly.
1: <laughs> I, I thought it, and I said, I said, Nah, I, I have I have too much respect for these friends of mine to go to that place. But I should have known better than you would, you would go there.
2: It's yep, why we I'm, love you so
1: much. Yep,
2: I bring a nice low class sensibility to your
0: podcast. Yeah, you're like Veer in that regard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're our Indiana Centauri. <laughs> yeah. <All> right. <clears throat> well, before Chris, we go give too far a, off give the everyone rails,
1: yeah. the, uh, the, the yeah. you know, how do you find Facebook,
0: us? Facebook, nameofthepod at gmail.com, um, Google for us or, or search for us, uh, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's late and we probably should be signing off. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, rate, subscribe. And review, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you next week.
1: Thanks for being on, Brian. I'm looking forward to having you on again. Love you guys. Cheers, mate. Bye.
0: Three, two, one. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you? Did you? You did froze, you, so I couldn't tell if you no, actually did or not. You guys
2: froze at the same time, and I thought you were like okay. waiting for something because <laughs> you were like, you were like three, two, one.
1: <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, no, oh. So, so did you clap or not? No, I did not. We got to do it again.
0: Oh Jesus! We can do it again. Okay. Yeah. It's all stays in. It's
1: amateur hour. Yeah. Okay. Three.